Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who episode commentary podcast where I, Toby Haydock, have to choose the best things about a story nominated by a friend of mine and see if I can guess if our opinions tally. Hello, Toby. Hello, everyone. I'm John Turner. And I am an artist and illustrator based in Manchester. The story that I've chosen for you this week is one that's very dear to my heart. It is Battlefield. Tis the witching hour. Battlefield, part four. Press play. Uh... then <laughs> uh, I'd go back but it's pointless because there seems to be a different gap every time now this is a challenge everybody more than usual I'd be quite enjoying Battlefield odd I hated it when I was younger um, I think there's a lesson there um, the distance you see in the present when Battlefield was on uh, Doctor Who was hanging by a thread anything that happened could potentially spell the end of the show that I loved and my lifeline. Uh, it was it was what I held on to to negotiate my difficult teenage years so that I could emerge from them and become an adult when everything became sorted. Ha ha ha! And now it's midnight, I can't sleep, I'm in lockdown. Um, looks like we're going to have another six months of lockdown. I'm largely unemployable. Uh, interesting, I've had a very... Very uh, interesting few days having a back and forth with a, a, a director I hugely admire, nothing to do with Doctor Who, and texting my son and feeling like part of, you know, something part of something. But it's it's not going to lead to any work. It's not it's not actually about any of the stuff I do, you know, that I consider my living. But I do sort of think, oh yeah, but at least you know I can say, you know, oh yeah, I, I know that person or I've I've had done a thing. It's, it's just like I'm I'm accruing and increasingly. Um, uh, a poor currency for, for what, 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 what will I look back on my life and it'll just be a series of encounters and anecdotes um, and that's not entirely unrelated to this because this is Nicholas Courtney's last uh, appearance in Doctor Who and he was the Brigadier was very much my favourite character uh, and, and favourite companion so I was always delighted when he came back and I you know I, I did encounter him at uh, at conventions and at commentaries and ended up living not far from him. In fact, when uh, I went to his funeral, the the post-funeral hospitality was done at a Nick's favourite Chinese restaurant, which was literally three minutes from, from where I lived. I'd had a chance to go for drinks with him a few times in, in Crouch End, but I was working a lot and commuting from Manchester to London and doing all of those things. And you think now, oh, would I have given up a gig for a... Evening in a pub with the brig. There he is. Try me. See, we have to forget. This is what this story does very well. And I don't like it. But it's probably right that I shouldn't like it. Is that the, the, the brigadier is steeped in blood. He is, he is a convenience for the doctor. I've done Day of the Daleks for this. And I, I really don't like the bit where the doctor kills the ogrons. Um, but of course the brigadier comes and machine guns the one that the doctor doesn't kill. Uh, and the and and as somebody of slightly peacenicky liberal morality, you know, 
I do understand the sort of hypocrisy of going, yes, the doctor, the doctor shouldn't take a life. He's got these guys, though, who can kill whoever they like because the adventure requires lots of the bad guys to get killed, as long as the doctor doesn't get his hands dirty. And that is a, that is a paradox at the core of the show, or at the core of the liberal reading of the show, which is why I'm always quite interested when conservative commentators talk about Doctor Who, because they've equally got a point. It's interesting. Good explosion here, good stunt there. Yeah. Um, actually, the, the fight scenes aren't, aren't bad here at all. And I... I do like the sword fighting amidst the, uh, uh, you know, the military khaki um, uh, uh, and, you know, traditional sort of gun battles. <laughs> I'm getting fed up of hearing about your mother. Mm. Glorious. Um, you know, it's interesting because obviously this is steeped in Arthurian legend and I, I, I'd sort of seen... You know, I'd, I'd read bits about the nine tape, nine round table. We used to go on holiday to Cornwall and uh, I'd seen um, Excalibur. Um, but obviously, oh, I love, the, I think that's great. That's such a, a casually uh, uh, included effect, deployed effect. It's, a, it's an effect that, you know, just, uh, it's, it's uh, the, the, I'm talking about the, uh, the crystal ball that uh, Morgane sort of dismisses and, and flies away. Um, and what's quite nice is having these, you know, villains from from sort of folklore. Is that relatively simple things like a chalk circle is is really powerful against them in the way that a, a helicopter or whatever isn't. And I quite like that that uh, that sort of ancient simplicity sometimes wins out over modern technology. The destroyer, I love the destroyer. What a terrific mask. Um, Marek Anton, who of course, um, and my friend at school, Anton Collins, was uh, was very pleased with the fact that Marek Anton, uh, there's an actor called Marek Anton, who is of course also in The Curse of Fenric. He plays Vershinin, one of the Russian soldiers named after characters from Chekhov. Uh, and uh, he's quite a handsome boy, um, but he's great. And and there's real character to uh, to the Destroyer. And that mask is so good. Uh, I like the blue, I like the hair. So, oh, yes, and Jean Marsh. Uh, I've had the pleasure of interviewing her as well. She was good fun. Um, but yes, I, I sometimes, you know, when doing these, as I said, I was sort of texting this very, very famous film director this week um, because of uh, something I don't really consider part of my job. Um, uh and and it was exciting, but it was. Uh, I, I think because I was brought up in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. As I watched this, you know, in the middle of nowhere, the, the 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 idea that any person could be a conduit to the sort of starlight. I'm afraid I think that that is a contender for the. I'm sorry, Doctor, for the worst delivered line of any Doctor. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Um, there's, there's plenty to love about Sylvester McCoy, but that line isn't one of them. Um, but yes, the, it, but yeah, as I say, being in the, in the country, as I think we all do, you know, we watch, this to me was a, is, is a conduit to starlight, you know, that all these people were living the life and, uh, the world that they inhabited, which seemed so far away from mine, seemed like a magical one where it was all anecdotes and, um, being a motley crew and being creative and 
you know, that must be the life. Um, and a, it's the pot of, it was the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But, and, and that's why I think, you know, when, when Doctor Who lets us down or whatever, we get rather furious. But as I've got older, I realised there is, there is, there, there is no pot of gold and the rainbow keeps, um, uh, reforming further in the distance um, and that uh, one is a fool to think one will ever spend that currency and one should and I've, I think I've already chosen my best bit from this episode because there's a philosophy within it which um, in this night where I cannot sleep and I, I'm unemployed and <laughs> all of these things it's what it's what we keep coming back to and look he's a small part actor I don't think he's had a line this episode. Gets the, that's the only time we see his face. He's now an internationally successful film director. Because you keep going. And you do the best you can. Um, and, and I was I was actually saving this one up to do when I'd, I I think I was a bit more... Because some of these stories, you know, somebody will, will suggest them and I'll just dive in and I think I should actually have a think about them so that I can place in my head... Um, some things I know that I can sort of pepper through so that they'll be interesting. Um, but what you've done is um, you're at my house and we've woken up in the middle of the night. Neither of us can sleep. I've made some Horlicks. It's, it's metaphorical Horlicks because it's tea, but Horlicks just seems more appropriate. And we're sitting on the sofa and I'm bending your ear. You've probably got a bottle of wine. I'm, I can't have one. So I'm... I, I'll forgive myself for <laughs> dribbling on in. I'm a vision in Canary, by the way, for those of you um, that aren't uh, doing the YouTube version of this, but are doing the podcast. I have Canary Kachif on. Um, oh, she's so... Uh, I love it. She, I do feel sorry for Xiao Young, but interesting, there's been, a, there's been a survey today about saying that actually BAME performers are on screen to a higher percentage than they're represented in the makeup of the country, but actually are represented much lower in behind the scenes and executive levels. And I think, and I think that's fine. I think you have to reset the balance. And if it means we get we get are currently getting more reputation uh, representation, it it is about time. And I speak as somebody that's occasionally lost a part because um, they've 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 looked at the, and this has been told to me a couple of times. Um, uh, you know the the makeup of the cast and realised that it's all it's all a bit the same and uh, so they've um, so of course they never recast the lead they always get rid of something <laughs> Johnny No Bollocks a bit further down the credits um, and if and if that is something that means that we have a, a more progressive and reflective and and can encourage people from those um, sectors that might not feel encouraged into the arts that is an important thing so when we look back in twenty years. And things are sort of. Oh, we knew so. Uh, I knew they hadn't. I knew they hadn't killed him. It was too, it was too too anticlimactic a way to kill him here, because of course we were worried that uh, that this was the last. That's a great stunt. The last we were going to see of the brig, but that wouldn't be his death scene. But I was in, in tenterhooks for the whole of this. But um, and and. And I think the reason I'm slightly, I'm not obsessed, but it's worth talking about, is that I've listened to a few podcasts recently where, you know, people have said, oh, in, in The Bodyguard, the Jed Mercurio series, there was a, a Chinese bomb disposal expert and one of the senior police 
officers was a black woman and oh it took me out of the drama well wh- why did it take you out of the drama it didn't uh, and i'm not and i'm not mr as i say i'm not mr i'm sometimes quite cynical about certainly in comedy where you see somebody who's been going five minutes get a job that you know veterans of, of 20 years of great skill and experience don't get near um and it's not always to do with you know comedic skills so i you know i, I can be cynical about it um but what when when somebody's just sort of when a when a part as i say a bomb disposal expert or in 1917 a, a sikh soldier the worst sikh soldiers not that many but it doesn't matter I, I, it, it's bizarre i'm not as i say i'm not mr woolly liberal but it it's never taken me out of a drama i've never thought why is that person black i think that's a really peculiar thing and 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 if it is peculiar to people if it is not the norm then the reason it is being done is so that in 20 years it is the norm and we all wonder what what we were so preoccupied and obsessed about I think it's a bit of a hobby horse with me with this one because I think I've tied myself in knots trying to say the right thing which is also a part of the problem with the discourse is that you get a bit mealy-mouthed because you can get attacked from both sides and that doesn't help discourse either um, I love the bit where the, the the destroyer breaks open his chains, although he does tear some of his own chest hair, which is gonna smart. Um, I do like the the relationship with Morgane and uh, and her son. You, you you sort of believe they have a life outside the drama. Um, Ace is one of the bravest companions as well. All the companions, but but the the, the gung ho nature of Ace is 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 very very likable. Um, and you know that it's sort of matched by the performer because she's a gutsy performer. Uh, I like her outfit too. Uh, is that a conveniently placed bit of corrugated? Oh, is this? He does that brilliant bit, doesn't he? Where he goes, "Is that a spaceship?" <laughs> I sometimes do that in everyday life if I'm trying to distract somebody. It's never worked, but it amuses me. It's usually a futile effort. I love that. I, I was so, I was so terrified uh, that uh, the brigadier was going to die. I've just remembered. Uh, my friend from school came to watch this with me. I would get girls back. <laughs> go, and we were going to watch Doctor Who. Uh, my friend from school, Catherine, uh, came and watched this episode at my house in Shropshire. I had totally forgotten about that. And I think I was harbouring the idea of doing a remake. Every time there's a Doctor episode on, I wanted to make my own version of it as a film and I'd type up the scripts and never actually finished it. And she would have played more gain because she's very good at striking women parts. Many years later, I ended up marrying her. Ha! Ah, ah, ha! Not married anymore, but uh, still a nice story. Uh, and how funny that that has just, just occurred to me. It's a funny old night tonight. I'm having a funny old night, everybody. Going down memory lane. It can be quite emotional. So I'm glad you're here. I bet you're not. <laughs> I don't know what this podcast is, but I like to think you're with me, even though I can't hear anything you're saying. Well done, the Brigadier. But yes, I just do the best I can. I just try to do the best I can. That I mean, I know already that's going to be the thing I choose for this episode. Because it's weird. I've I've read a lot of the great literature. And I, I know it speaks to so many things at so many levels. 
I've seen many of the great movies. I've struggled to get through some of them. And many have left me go, this is what speaks to me. This is where I get my philosophy. This is where I get my emotion. This is what stirs my nostalgia. I'd love it if I was able to sit and quote Eisenstein movies or, uh, you know, Hardy and Dickens, uh, which, you know, I can sort of vaguely nudge my way through. But no, whatever for whatever reason... And I'm not a simpleton, but for whatever reason, this is what speaks to me. This is what floats my boat. This is what, I hate the phrase, takes me to my happy place because it's, um, because it's just horrible. Um, but um, for, for whatever reason, it's this show that, that I will sometimes wax lyrical about, but... You know, its 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 main job, and it is at its best, is when it is purely entertaining. If, if it's got subtext, that's great. If it's trying to make a point, that's great. But if it needs to be exciting and funny, that's what it needs to be. And if it's not those things, it's not Doctor Who. But if it's if it's not those things, it's or it's bad Doctor Who. Um, all the other stuff is gravy, great. But 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 because it's so entrenched in our childhoods this one in in my teenagehood and as i say it's unlocked a memory i had forgotten was there and it and it and it actually keeps in touch with our emotions i i, I don't drink anymore and i i think one of the reasons drinkers drink is to perhaps get in touch with emotions access emotions that you struggle to actually access and those, when you access those emotions through drink, you articulate things you may be denying yourself or keeping inside. Um, because this is so tied up in my life, it's peculiar. This is what does that now, because I can't get drink and sit maudlin on the sofa and wax lyrical. So instead, I watch something that I, I watched as a child. That I was furious with as a child. There's so many things I didn't like about Doctor Who because I was worried that it would be taken away from me. Although I spent so much time being furious about it, I think I forgot to enjoy it. There's a lesson there too, which as a 46-year-old man, you realise that um, you should try and enjoy as much of life as you can because it starts to fly by, especially in this uh, quarantine where <laughs> I'm currently talking in October and last time I looked it was March. Uh, that's great. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a bit silly, but it's it's very Doctor Who. It's very Doctor Who, uh, and Sylvester's great at those sorts of moments. And this this is a terrific scene um, coming up, uh, and and unusual. Um, you know, we don't. I, I talked before about you know the brigadier and unit being useful for killing the bad guys that the doctor isn't prepared to kill well here's one of those those rare moments where you know the the villain the villainess and her sidekick in this case her son aren't killed um it does leave the question of what the hell hell do you do with a, a witch i mean what is she in wormwood scrubs uh and and, and, you know, Andrew Cartmel's thing about bringing down the government, I, 
<laughs> it's the script editor wanting to the, the show to, um, you know, tackle the issues of the day, I think is laudable. And I don't think it's it's too heavy handed. Um, there are occasional bits that are that are quite naive. Sometimes I think in the odd bit of dialogue here, not in this story, I'm. Um, but that's being very that's being very picky. I think the 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 idea behind it and the way it is generally deployed is 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 great and remote and as a as a however old I was 15 year old the idea that you know doctor was taking on you know ideas of nuclear disarmament and talking about those things it, it made me feel inspired it made me feel that some something was on my side my show was talking to me um and of course that there's that there is the alternative reading is that of, of doctor who is that is that you know, Doctor Who sees what is bad and he stamps it out. So uh, it is multi-layered textually, but it's mostly about explosions and aliens. <laughs> but I can't just keep saying I like that explosion and that alien because this would get tedious fairly quickly. If it hasn't already, and if it has, I'm very sorry. Um, she's She does this really well. Um, it's actually terribly moving. And again, the idea that, you know, arch enemies can have a, a sort of connection uh, is, is you know is is very real um, but yeah it's also typical isn't it yeah the you, you two you two lovers you get you get on while well it's 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 your troops to everybody who, who die for your for your honor and all of that sort of thing whilst uh, you know you all meet on up at the UN summit and shake hands uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, the whatever the doctor does here is uh, never quite explained, but I I'm I don't really mind. It's 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 like the Venusian karate aikido, but slightly more mystical. Uh, and anything to anything to dilute those question marks with a bit of mystery. Um, and I'm glad Anselin didn't die. And uh, I'm I'm assuming him and Bambera get to. Dis I mean, does he? I suppose he st he stays. Does he? Um, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to ditch the sword. That's a lawn to mow. Um, I'm, we're at the brigadier's house now. Have I? Have I got? Have I got those clothes? I've I've got a shirt a bit like that. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure I had more cravats, but I'm, I can't seem to find them. Um, I said, didn't I say in episode one? I wasn't sure I'd known who Angela Douglas was, but of course I knew who she was because of who she was in the carry-ons. I think I just hadn't put two and two together. Um, nice that uh, she's not she's not what I imagined when I imagined Doris. I imagined somebody a bit more earthy. I think I just judged by the name Doris. I hadn't uh, associated with with somebody quite so well-to-do. Uh, I, th I thought perhaps the brigadier had more earthy tastes. Um, I do like his house, though. Um, so yeah, we've got a bit of a we've got a bit of a jolly carry-on ending, and and yes, <laughs> the locking up of Morgaine and Mordred is a thing, uh, and the uh, and the incidental music goes full sitcom, doesn't it? Um, I really enjoyed that. It was a story that I was not particularly fond of. I would say my least favourite of uh, of that season when it was broadcast. Uh, 
I, I can't see me liking uh, any of the subsequent stories from this season any less when I do them for this project. So that uh, that stands this the the last the latter period of uh, classic who in good stead. Uh, uh, gosh, I didn't half bang on, and not necessarily about what was on screen uh, there. But is that's what Doctor Who does, I think, and. Um, you know, I, I can only spend so many times going, that's an excellent set. I like his performance. Uh, so today it was opening up of unsuspected memories. Uh, and I thought that was great. Um, isn't it interesting when the future of the show doesn't rely on what you're watching, you're much more forgiving of it. When something is an historical exhibit, you can just, you can enjoy it without any threat whatsoever. Uh, so I think that's a lesson to when, when one isn't enjoying Doctor Who. Ah, you know, and you, I see the fury. I see the fury of people who, for whom Doctor Who is not what they want it to be at the moment. And I, and I, and I think there's always, I always enjoy Doctor Who much more in retrospect because I still have that thing of worrying about what the general public will think. <laughs> uh, or of what the BBC will think or what the press will think rather than just going, why don't I just enjoy it? You know, why don't I just an instant? Uh, yeah, yeah. In, enjoy the present for what it is. What's John? So now I've realised I've been doing this slightly wrong because uh, they get to choose two things for the last episode: one for the last episode and one bonus. But uh, for one of the recent ones I did, I chose two things in the last episode. I don't think I should. I think I still get to choose one, but what, what my guest gets to do is they get to choose their one, and then they have a bonus one, which gives us a little more insight into what they like and their thoughts, but also it gives them a chance to wipe out one of the ones I've already chosen. So I'm only choosing one thing, and that is the Brigadier saying, uh, I just try to do the best I can because I think that's a great philosophy. Uh, it really chimes with me at the moment as... Uh, uh, a self-employed person in a type of in a time of coronavirus in the same boat as a lot of other people and we see and i see you know people are at each other's throats people are uncertain what's happening um there's conflicting advice coming from the government the arts sector is really struggling all we can do is try to do the best that we can uh and uh, and you know if in doubt shoot the blue guy <laughs> So what's John chosen as his thing for episode four? Fourth choice is one that I think might divide the room and it is the incidental music and just the, the sound design and editing in general on Battlefield, which I think is great. Um, obviously the score is by Kath McCulloch um, and it comes in for a lot of flack. Uh, the main criticism levelled at it seems to be that it sounds very 80s, but I think that's why I love it. Like, I'm watching a show made in the 80s, I want it to sound like the 80s. Um, but I, I think I think the score, like, sure, maybe elements of it detract from the action, but I, I think in general it really works. Um, it can be quite playful at times when the script calls for it, and it can also be quite dark, so we get a lot of those sort of... Uh, strange synthy string sounds um like we see in Milk silver nemesis as well um yeah i love it and the way that uh, the score quite often bleeds into the sound effects um 
stone, like with the sword and uh, like when the destroyer comes along and stuff. Uh, I really like that. I think I could hum most of the score of Battlefield uh, to you. I won't. Don't worry. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's very ingrained in my head. Possibly more so than the incentive music from any other Doctor Who story. Ah, uh, that's interesting. I like the instant and and Kef McCulloch stuff does come in for a lot of stick. It's interesting, yes. That that, that criticism. Oh, it sounds very eighties. Well, that's because it was made in the eighties. Um, it's 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 like when p- p- programs now have things in front of them. Going, this uh, just to warn viewers, this displays attitudes that were prevalent at the time. Well, yeah, that's because it was made then. Uh, <laughs> this has this has failed to see what the social mores and uh, accepted phraseology of the future would be. Um, <laughs> well say, this, this house is full of VHS tapes which aren't playable these days um, now I can confidently guess though that his favourite thing number five um, is is not going to be Xiao Yong poor old Xiao Yong she's never going to be on anybody's favourite list but what could it be uh, I've no idea but that's I'm going to put good money on that just because my final choice of a favourite thing and like I said earlier, it has been hard because I love lots of things and I feel bad missing some of them out. But I've chosen, I mean, I guess the location filming, uh, location scouting uh, <laughs> in Battlefield, I think is top notch. Um, I think I'm quite old school in that I think Doctor Who often works best when it is uh, jaunting around the English countryside in a very uh, Pertwee era fashion Um, and I think Battlefield does a great job of this Um, I guess it partly plays to my prejudices as well as someone who grew up in the countryside Um, just seeing that reflected in my favourite TV show Um, but yeah Battlefield has loads of really nice looking locations like it's very green um which obviously suits this sort of pastoral arthurian story that's going on um but so like the gorko hotel great building um that strange sort of ruined castle folly thing that morgane sets up shopping that's that's great excellent building um the vortigan's lake like get some lovely shots of that um and also uh, lots of little drive down country uh, country lanes um i mean accompanied by some terrible special effects but you know can't have everything uh so yeah that's that's my final choice and i think we're done boom uh i've been john turner uh you can find me online if you want to <laughs> Um, I'm thisisjohnturner.com uh, John without an H uh, in the Pertwee fashion um, and this is John Turner on Instagram as well uh, thanks everyone, thanks Toby I'm really looking forward to hearing what you uh, enjoyed about Battlefield oh John is a lovely lovely guy and he's a very talented artist and the reason I was looking around uh, for those of you on the video 
at the point is because every time I've done an episode of Battlefield, I've had a piece of John's artwork by me so that at the end I can show it to you. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll wait till episode four. And of course, I've done episode four. Where the hell have I put it? So hang on, because I can edit. This isn't the one I, this isn't the one I had out. This isn't the one I had out. This is another one I've gone to get because the one I had out is is somewhere. But it's um, it's it's it's. I bought a bulk of these for John uh, a doctor ago because for those who are on the podcast who can't see this, it's a it's a card, blank inside, handmade of a print that John have done of the as the of the top of every doctor's head or their silhouette of their head, their hair and hat, uh, to make a question mark with Capaldi as the as the dot, and it's a lovely. It's a lovely piece of artwork uh, and indicative of the sort of stuff that he does. He does non-Doctor Who stuff. Uh, he has uh, stalls that he, he does, but he's also got, you know, online. And he's a very skilled guy. He's also a very, very nice guy. And he uh, has done, he's been very helpful to uh, Excess Malarkey, the comedy club that I run every Tuesday and is a valued member of the team. So please do check John out. Something I forgot to say um, is that I don't know if you remember the TV show Soap Stars, where a load of uh, uh, actors, amateur and professional, went through a series of auditions. It was like Pop Stars, one of those shows, but it was to get a regular role in in Emmerdale. And actually, it's, it's, this is never said that 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 Mark Jardine, who was the male, uh, f- f- you know, who who won the role of the father in the family and was a regular in Emmerdale, therefore, for I think they 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 only any of them only lasted nine months. But anyway, he he was the successful winner and has had a decent career since i think it gave him a bit of a, a springboard he is a he is one of the unit soldiers he's an extra in um battlefield and that is never covered thank you so much for listening to happy times and places which is presented by me toby Haydoke. my special guest was john turner My thanks to this episode's featured patrons who are Stephen Moffat, not that one, Sean McAllister, Darren Howard, Sarah Krotzer, Rob Dawson, Stephen White, Matthew Houliston, Sebastian April, Mark Aldridge, Anthony Carroll, Gregory Hudson, Rich Wiggins, Kevin West, Hendrik Korzeniowski and Duncan Harvey. The music for the podcast is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get it from and a five-star rating always helps as well. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can support me at patreon.com forward slash Toby or at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby But whatever. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to this, and I hope you enjoyed it and come back for more. In the meantime, I hope all your places are very, very happy. (laughs) 